Today's scripture is found in Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you, being, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. The word of the Lord. Thank you so much, Addie. And thank you all again for being here this morning. We're delighted to have you with us here at River Oaks early in this new year. We have begun a short series on the topic of renewal, experiencing renewal specifically by prayer. This month, we've been looking at the prayers prayed by the Apostle Paul for the spiritual growth and maturity of the church. Now, you may be wondering, why do we need renewal? Uh, the Bible says if anyone is in Christ, that person is a new creation or a new creature. Why do we need ongoing renewal? Renewal is a word that the New Testament uses to refer to our continuing uh, transformation into the likeness of Jesus Christ. You see that in the verse on the screen from Romans chapter 12. This world in which we live works against our spiritual progress, our spiritual health, our spiritual development. It works against our being transformed into the likeness of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that's God's goal for us, that we be conformed to the likeness of his son. But the world in which we live pulls us toward its own desires, covetousness, lust, greed, self-centeredness. And so the Apostle Paul writes, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, the renewing of the mind. God calls us to live differently from the world around us to be transformed by the renewal of our minds. In the verse you see from 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 16, the Apostle Paul talks about this process that a Christian can and should experience of ongoing renewal. And he contrasts this ongoing renewal with the aging of the human body. He writes, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Now, if you're not at least 30 years old, you probably can't relate to that. You don't think much about the outer self wasting away, but some of you who are 30, 35, 40, maybe over the holidays, you got together with some friends or family, you went to the YMCA and you played a game of pickup basketball, or you played a game of flag football over Thanksgiving, and you went out there and ran around and did something you haven't done in six months, and the next day you were hurting badly. And you realize, what has happened to me? I'm only 30, 35 years old. Well, it's true. We're aging. The outer self, the Apostle Paul says, it's wasting away. But inwardly, inwardly, we're being renewed day by day. 
transformed into the likeness of Jesus. This work of the Holy Spirit inwardly can continually increase our joy in the Lord, our love for God. You can actually grow closer to God, enjoying deeper, richer fellowship and communion with God as you age. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. The prayers of the Apostle Paul focus largely on this inward renewal and spiritual development of Christians. You know, when, when we think about the things we pray for most, uh, you think about things you pray for in your devotional life, or if you're in a small group, things you pray for in, in, in your small group, uh, prayer meetings you're, you're part of. I expect most of us would say the things we list for prayer, the things we ask for prayer about, mostly have to do with issues of physical health, or maybe relationships, maybe issues with family or parents or children or decisions we have to make, and that's all very good. Please don't hear me saying we shouldn't pray about any of those things. The Bible says we're to be anxious about nothing, but in everything, everything, let our requests be made known to God. We're to pray about all those things. But as we look at the prayers prayed by the Apostle Paul in the New Testament, they are focused mostly on the spiritual maturity of Christians, spiritual growth and development, this ongoing renewal. We find the prayers of the Apostle Paul in the book of Ephesians chapter 1, verses 16 to 19, the passage we looked at last week. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 21, the passage we'll look at today. Philippians chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. Each of these prayers of the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, are focused, each one is focused on the spiritual growth and development and maturity of believers. So I'm not at all suggesting don't pray about health or job decisions or relationships. No, keep doing that. But when are we praying these prayers for spiritual growth and development? I'd suggest that's the greatest emphasis in Paul's prayers, at least as they're recorded in Scripture, is for the spiritual maturity of believers. And I think it's incredibly important when it comes to the spiritual growth of believers. As I was reflecting on this this week, I was thinking back to my last year of college. When I was a senior in college, I was in a Bible study with several guys. Uh, we were all fairly young, but zealous in our faith in growing. And there was one guy in the group from Eastern North Carolina, and he would tell us about his, his older sister and how, what a strong Christian she was and how much she prayed. I don't remember if she ever actually visited our group or we had met her in person, but she was praying for us. And when I say praying for us, I mean seriously, seriously praying for us. Um, after graduation, uh, we went our separate ways, and I learned that, that this friend's uh, sister, this older, older woman, fasted and prayed for those of us in this group 
for 16 days. 16 days, somebody I hardly knew that was fasting and praying for me and three or four of my friends. Now, I had made one feeble attempt at fasting in college, and it didn't go very well. I couldn't fathom somebody fasting for 16 days and praying like that. And it was a time when I moved to Winston-Salem, and I found my life changing dramatically. There was this incredible desire to study God's Word and to pray and to enjoy fellowship with God. There was a desire to begin witnessing to people and getting involved in evangelism and Doors just began opening right and left for teaching the Bible. I had this longing for the fullness and the, and the control of the Holy Spirit. And I reflected back and thought, why was, was this growth happening at that season in my life so much? And I thought, I wonder if this woman's prayers had something to do with this. I think of the Apostle Paul. His prayers for the church, they were focused on the spiritual growth and maturity of believers. Who's praying for your spiritual growth and maturity? Who has in the past? And for whose spiritual growth are you praying now? Some of your parents. Key part of your role is praying for that spiritual growth and development of your children. We think about their getting the best education, getting in the best schools, great. What about their spiritual development? I want to point you to the prayers of the Apostle Paul is the best starting place I know to learn how to pray for the spiritual growth and development of others. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 3 this morning. In Ephesians 3, Paul begins his prayer with humility and familiarity. Humility because he starts this way. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. Paul was a Jew. He had been a Pharisee, a leader amongst Jews. Traditional prayer posture would have been standing. Jesus talks about religious leaders standing in the synagogue, standing on the street corners. The Pharisee and the tax collector, the Pharisee stood and prayed to God. But Paul says, I bow my knees. It's, it's a real expression of humility before the Father. The word father is an expression of great love and familiarity. Jesus really introduces the idea of both humble reverence and familiar love when praying, when he taught us the Lord's Prayer. And he said, you can pray this way, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. It was very unusual in the Old Testament to refer to God as Father. You rarely find God referred to as Father in the Old Testament, I think maybe 14 times. It's throughout Jesus' teaching in the Gospels and then Paul's in the New Testament. We can call him Father because of what Jesus has done when he shed his blood on the cross and paid for our sins. Through our faith, we're brought into a relationship with God where we can say, Abba, Father. But we never lose the reverence we also say, hallowed be your name. May your name be regarded as holy. And so Paul expresses these two things, humble reverence combined with loving familiarity. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. And he begins to pray for spiritual strength with three particular emphases. Number one, 
He prays that Christians be strengthened with power through the Holy Spirit in our inner beings. That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. He is not praying for physical strength, but spiritual strength. How do we get this spiritual strength? Is it merely by gaining more knowledge, reading more books? The right kind of knowledge is good, and I love to read, read books. But Paul's talking about spiritual strength, strength that is imparted to our inner beings by the Holy Spirit. And this strength is necessary in order to live a holy life. This is the kind of strength that is necessary to resist a recurring temptation and to say no to sin and yes to God. This is the kind of strength that is necessary to resist the devil. Paul refers to it later in Ephesians chapter 6 when he says, Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may stand against the wiles of the devil. This is a strength that comes from God's might in our inner being, enabling us to resist sin, to resist the devil. This kind of strength is strength to persevere. It includes strength to endure hardships with patience and joy. Paul talks about it later, writing the Colossians in another one of his beautiful prayers for spiritual growth that results in being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, being strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man for what? For endurance and patience with joy. This strength is necessary not only to resist temptation and resist the devil, but to endure through adversity in life. That's something we all face regularly. Maybe this week, you've had one of those weeks where it seemed like everything was going wrong. Maybe last Tuesday, you had some wind damage at your house. I bet a number of us did, your house or yard. Maybe a washing machine overflowed, and there's financial stress, and that leads to marital stress, and you wonder, why is everything going wrong at the same time? Paul prays... That as Christians, we have a strength that enables us to endure adversity and despite what we face, to keep walking with God, keep loving God, being strengthened according to his power. And Paul's praying for inward strength, that we be strengthened according to the riches of his glory with power through his spirit. Secondly, he prays for strength in our stability in Christ. He continues... So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And that you, being rooted and grounded in love, and he continues. Now this raises a question. When he says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, isn't Christ already dwelling in your hearts? Because he's praying for Christians, and the answer is yes. Christ is already dwelling in the heart of a believer. He's not saying Christ is not with you. His emphasis is on faith. He's praying that our faith would rest on Christ in his indwelling presence, that we be rooted and grounded in Christ, rooted and grounded in his love. Paul likes to use this word in his writing, rooted, referring to the maturity of a, of a growing believer one who's rooted. He'll, he'll later write to the Colossians, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted, built up in him, 
established in the faith. Have you ever seen what happens to a tree or plant that's not well-rooted? Start to lean over, some wind comes, even, even worse things happen. My wife Beth and I uh, bought our first house when we got married on Forest Oak Drive. You know where it is? It's the street right next to our church here. It's the road between our church building and West High School, that one street. We were the 10th house on the left. We lived there for 18 years. And um, we had a fenced-in backyard that almost came to the football field at West High School. It's a big backyard. But there are really only two, two trees there, and they were <clears throat> pretty large uh, white pine trees. One of them was full and, and vibrant and, and healthy looking. The other one was kind of scraggly. And it was one of those nights we were supposed to get very, very high winds, kind of like last Tuesday here. And uh, I, I worried about the scraggly tree because we had a little swing on one of those trees or, or one of our little kids would swing on. <clears throat> and got up the next morning and looked out in the backyard Sure enough, one of the trees was completely flat on the ground. But it wasn't the healthy tree. It wasn't the big, uh, flourishing, healthy tree. I, I mean, it wasn't the scraggly tree, rather. Excuse me, it wasn't the scraggly tree. It was the healthy tree. It was the big, the big tree, the tree that I thought was in good shape. It was lying flat on the ground. And I thought, well, that's, that's amazing. The good tree fell, the bad tree stayed, and I walked over and looked at it because it, it didn't fall. Sometimes a tree falls with a big root ball and a lot of earth, you know, falls over with it. But that tree just broke off flat, even with the ground. It wasn't rooted, wasn't connected to a, a, a root system of any type. And when the wind came, it had nothing really holding it up. And when Paul talks about maturity in, in the face of winds of doctrine and adversity, he calls us to be deeply rooted in Christ. In fact, in the very next chapter of Ephesians, he'll write the words you see here. When he talks about maturity, he, he's talking about when we attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, that spiritual maturity, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful, deceitful schemes. He calls us to be rooted, to be mature. Paul's praying for stability in Ephesians 3. He's praying that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith in that we be rooted and grounded in love. That's how we can pray for our children's spiritual maturity, for our friends and our small group, for our own spiritual maturity. Paul's saying, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father of whom every family in heaven and on earth is, is named, that out of the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit and the inner being, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith through faith, you rest on his indwelling presence and that you're rooted and grounded in his love. Praying for stability in Christ. And then thirdly, Paul is praying here that we be strengthened in our comprehension of the love of Christ. He goes on to pray that we may have strength to comprehend something. 
that God would strengthen us to just be able to understand something, to grasp something, to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, that is, what is the immensity, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Paul's praying that God, by the Holy Spirit, would strengthen us to understand something more fully, to comprehend it, and that is his love, the love of Christ. The way he says it's a bit unusual. He says to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. How can you know something that surpasses knowledge? It's more than knowing it intellectually. We can only really comprehend more of the love of Christ as the Holy Spirit enables, strengthens us to comprehend it. Paul writes elsewhere in the book of Romans chapter 5 that the love of God is poured upon us through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. The Holy Spirit enables us to more fully grasp the depths, the breadth, the height, the length of the love of Christ. And it is necessary, even vital, that you not nearly, merely know about the love of Christ intellectually. Jesus loves me, this I know. It's more than this. It's an experience that you know in, the, in your heart of hearts, the core of your being, in your inner being, that you are loved by God because of the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross for you. That in embracing Christ, receiving his salvation, you are deeply, deeply, deeply loved by God. And until you know that love of God, it's difficult to share that love of God uh, in your marriage, in your home, with other believers, and certainly toward enemies. And Jesus calls us even to love our enemies. And so Paul's praying for an experience of the love of God, for a life built on the love of God, that we be strengthened in our comprehension of the love of God for us. Because when we know more fully the love of God, when we're strengthened to be able to comprehend this, what God has done for us in the gospel, what it really means that the second person of the Trinity became a human being, took upon himself flesh, gave his life, shed his blood to bring us into his eternal family, to bring us into his inheritance, to make us his own, that he has loved us with an everlasting love and drawn us with his loving kindness. When we know that, the result then is this, that we would be filled with all the fullness of God. Let me read this sentence it's in, in its entirety. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. What does a person's life look like if that person is filled with God, filled with the Holy Spirit? Full of love. Full of love. When we comprehend the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, we can be filled with all the fullness of God. 
So Paul prays. He prays that we be strengthened with power by the Holy Spirit in our inner being. That way we can be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, strengthened to resist temptation, to stand against the devil, to persevere through hard things. He prays that we be strengthened in our stability in Christ, rooted and grounded in his love, Christ dwelling in our hearts through faith. That we be strengthened to comprehend the breadth and length and height and depth of the love of Christ and thereby be filled with all the fullness of God. Do you think God could do this in your life, in the lives of your children, your family, your small group? Do you think God could do this? Do you think it's his will that he do it? I think I can say with confidence that it is 100% his will to do this because his scripture reveals his will. It is the will of God. This prayer was inspired by the Holy Spirit given to Paul to give to us. And it's one of the best models I know to pray for yourself, for others, for their spiritual growth. Can God do this for you? The result is that we, the members of his church, will give him glory when it happens. And note what he says in verses 20 and 21 on the next slide. Now to him who's able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think. Paul has just asked a lot in this prayer. But he says this about God. He's the one who's able to do immeasurably more, far more abundantly than all we can ask or imagine, think, according to the power at work within us. So can God do this for you? Yes, and more, and more. Paul's prayer lays out a vision for our spiritual growth and renewal, a path for life for this new year, what your spiritual life can look like. He also lays out a model for how to pray. And so I want to commend to you again. As you're praying for others, people in your small group, your family, your friends, you're praying for your children, your grandchildren, take the prayers of the Apostle Paul. They're already inspired by the Holy Spirit. You say, I don't know much about prayer. Well, this is the way to learn. Just take the prayers of Paul. This is the way to develop a biblical vocabulary for prayer, to learn how to pray by praying the prayers of the Bible. These are the will of God. They're already inspired by Him. When you've embraced Jesus as Savior and Lord, uh, it's not the end of the road spiritually. It's the greatest decision you'll ever make, no doubt about that, but it's a doorway into a lifetime of spiritual growth, spiritual ad advancement, spiritual renewal. And a great pathway for that growth is laid out for us in these prayers of the Apostle Paul, in Ephesians 1, Ephesians 3, Philippians 1, Colossians 1, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. Would you join me as we pray about this today? Father, Thank you for your word. Father, I pray that you would give us a hunger and a thirst to know you better and love you more. I pray, Father,
that you, according to the riches of your glory, would grant to us, each of us, to be strengthened with power through your Spirit in our inner beings, so that Christ would dwell in our hearts by faith, that we being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that we may be filled with all the fullness of God. Lift up our eyes, Lord. Give us a higher vision for our spiritual growth and maturity this year. Give us a higher vision for what our lives of prayer can be. We ask you this. We trust you in this. For you, Lord, are able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us. And as you do this, to you be the glory in your church, Lord, and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen.